This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 125, about Gotham, A Dark Night, which is season 4, episode 20, That Old Corpse. I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lord Taylor, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back to Gotham TV Podcast, episode 125. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, and we're here to talk about season four, episode 20, That Old Corpse. Hello there, fellow Gothamites, fellow detectives. This is one of your other hosts, John. Yes, that old corpse. We have a stiff in the episode, indeed. <laughs> and that stiff is Jerome. Yes. Yes, he is. And Still smiling. Yeah. He had a happy death. He certainly did. He had a great wake, too. Really, really cool. Um, we're actually going to be getting to meet all of the people that we just had our intro from. Uh, just under a month, John, we're going over to London for Heroes Villains Fan Fest. And we're going to be talking to David Mazous. Robin Lord Taylor, Drew Powell, hopefully Corey Michael Smith, and Sean Pirsch. We all five members of the Gotham cast that are going to be there at HVFF. Hopefully we'll also get some interviews with them this year. Yeah, hopefully. It'll be really good to speak with Corey Michael Smith. It's um, a long time since we last spoke to him, and that was at a round table at New York Comic Con. Oh, yeah. So um, it would be really good to get him one-to-one. Uh, to to speak about his role as the Riddler, mm-hmm. as Ed Nigma, and everything schizophrenic in between, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, to be honest, it'd be really good to speak with Sean Pertwee again. Again, we um, had a, a telephone interview with him, and we also met him at New York Comic Con at a roundtable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a long time since we've spoken to our favorite concierge, butler, valet and everything else in between. So it'd be really nice to talk tea and biscuits, <laughs> crumpets and jam, scones and cream with um, that delightful Londoner that is Sean Pertwee. Absolutely. And of course, we do love Drew Powell, Robin Lord Taylor and David Mazous. We've luckily had Dad Mazous on quite recently, just a couple of months ago, um, for an interview, which was really good fun to have a chat with him. Hopefully we'll get, a, get to meet up with all of them when we're at Heroes Villains Fan Fest. It's going to be great fun. Yeah, that would be really cool because, I mean, like Drew Powell has been such a great advocate, I think, for this podcast in, mm. in his own way. Um, he's been really, really good to us um, doing some uh, intros for us, as you he- heard at the beginning as has David Mazous and, of course, Robin Lord-Taylor, who, again, we met one-to-one for the first time at Heroes Villains Fan Fest uh, last year in 2017. And, of course, we had the two uh, roundtables um, at New York Comic Con as well over right. uh, a number of different years. So yeah. and I think they've been really generous to the podcast. So definitely, if you are interested in hearing what their thoughts were uh, back then, then please head on over to gothamtvpodcast.com and search for uh, the interviews uh, with all the stars of Gotham. You can listen to all of this by subscribing to our podcast over at gothamtvpodcast.com. Just go to the subscribe section, and of course, you can subscribe to your favorite podcast catcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any good or evil podcast catcher. Uh, Please search Gotham TV Podcast. Subscribe raters and leave a review um, because sharing the podcast is showing the love and that is always important peace out (laughs) i'm not out just yet we've got a whole episode to talk about Uh, i did learn recently they have to search either gotham season four or gotham tv to find us on itunes because gotham is actually an old name for new york so loads and loads of podcasts set up talking about sports set up talking about uh crocheting and knitting and news in new york all called gotham so they're polluting the word gotham on on itunes <laughs> so there is a podcast on gotham crochet no. so any of our gotham crochet fans please search gotham crochet on <laughs> any of your favorite podcast catcher i like it we were recording very differently the last time we recorded we've been had a week off we were recording in a bedroom um in ireland uh, we missed out on a little bit of feedback, so we're just going to have our piece of feedback on episode 19 from Claire Payne. It was a voicemail feedback. 
Hello Gotham TV podcast. Who wouldn't want a live barracuda stapled to their face if they lost at the Riddle Factory? The people of the Narrows are pretty happy about it and can't wait to win some cold hard cash. I love how they have used some of the comic. The Riddle Factory and the Riddler is possibly the best game show host ever. Lee coming in to shut him down was a surprisingly interesting move and probably in a small percentage of people that actually like there is a genuine lust between them. I did read people's opinions on Twitter that the story has been forced, which I actually disagree with. Lee is just as intelligent as Ed. She wants to rob more than three banks, and like Ed, asks her, does she know what she's getting herself into? Of course Lee does. My scene of the week is Jerome and Jeremiah meet again after 14 years. Cameron Monaghan is an incredible actor and is playing these two characters brilliantly. Jeremiah has already lied to Jim and Harvey about Jerome used to torture him as a child. Maybe under that normalish exterior there is a crazy person brewing and I'm sure that Scarecrow's new toxin has got something to do with him being the future Joker. Even Harvey is worried about how crazy Gotham is going to get. I did laugh when Harvey ran after Tetris and Scarecrow shouted, Ah, you're not going to hypnotise me again. Great to see Alfred back this week. I just love the look Alfred gives Jim when Jim is telling Alfred off for not keeping an eye on Bruce. Also how there was a meeting between Thomas Wayne and Xander slash Jeremiah a few years back. With the Legion of Horribles now formed, it was really interesting to see how a little uncomfortable penguin was and decided straight away he needed an ally to join and that he chose to be Butch. I'm going to nominate not a character but a prop this week and it is the barrel of slaughter swamp water that convinced Butch to team up with Oswald but not as friends. Some of Oswald's promises have been a bit empty in the past but I am in hope that we will see Professor Strange again. Overall, another excellent episode with great texture and theirs and the whole cast, writing and direction was superb. Thank you very much, Claire. Thank you so much, Claire, for that feedback of episode 19. Uh, I completely agree. I think Leslie and Enigma slash Riddler make a fantastic couple. Mm. Um, I really do. And I don't think it's false at all. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Lee Tompkins is immensely intelligent. She's bright. And of course, so is Ed Nigma. And I, I think they really go well together. I like the dynamic between the, the two uh, of these characters for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. I'm really loving seeing Nigmakins together uh, on the show. I know nobody was shipping them before they got together. Um, so I know that's uh, that's probably what's hitting some of the Twitter fandom because uh, nobody was expecting the two of them to get together, but it actually works. Uh, there's a little bit more in this episode that we're going to talk about um, that we see a lot more of them together, really enjoying their their dynamic. Uh, as for your Gotham prop of the week, love it. Yes, the uh, the swamp water from Slaughter Swamp uh, was hilarious being used by, uh, by Penguin to convince Bunch to join him back. Yes, and I think Penguin does have a lot of empty promises. It will be really interesting to see whether we see Professor Strange. Uh, I, too, also hope that he returns. And, of course, I would agree that normalish exterior of Jeremiah potentially is going to give way to something a little unhinged, as we'll find out in this episode of Gotham. For all your feedback needs, you can head on over to gothamtvpodcast.com and you can go through any of our social media outlets, Twitter, our Facebook group over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast, or you can send us an email at feedback at Gotham TV podcast. We love to hear your thoughts here on Gotham TV podcast, so please send them on about all things to do with Gotham Season 4. Mm-hmm. Only two episodes left after this one. I know. So not that long left in this season of Gotham. Uh, but I think we should get into the details for this episode. Exactly. So, Derek, what are some of the episode details? This episode is directed by Louis Shaw Melito, who's done five episodes of Gotham. Now. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes. Absolutely. He started out in season two with episode nine, A Bitter Pill to Swallow, and then went on to season three with episode 14, uh, The Gentle Art of Making Enemies. A great episode. And then has done two other episodes this season, did uh, episode two of season four, which was The Fear Reaper, and episode 10 of this season, Things That Go Boom. 
Yes, and a lot of things go boom in this episode. So this is right up Louis Shaw Milito's alley, it is, isn't it? Uh, so to speak, yeah. um, definitely. So who wrote this episode? Uh, the episode was written by Charlie Houston, who joined the series uh, in season four. He's done episode eight, which was Stop Hitting Yourself. Stop Hitting Yourself. And episode 16, One of My Three Soups, which is another great Jerome episode. Stop Hitting Yourself. <laughs> you just can't. It's so well written, you just can't not repeat it, can you? Stop Hitting Yourself. No, uh, absolutely. I'm going to have that in my mind now. Stop Hitting Yourself. Forever, I think. And ever. <laughs> exactly. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. Chaos erupts at the GCPD, sending Jim Gordon on a wild goose chase for the culprit behind the mass takeover of the GCPD precinct by the acolytes of Jerome. As the precinct is under party attack, Riddler plans to break Leslie Tompkins out of her cell following her arrest for the bank robbery, and Penguin and Butch take advantage of this situation and begin to set their sights on reclaiming Gotham. Meanwhile, a friend of Bruce becomes paranoid, Resulting in very, very, very destructive behaviour. This could be the most destructive behaviour ever seen in Gotham. It looked like a mushroom cloud. This was practically nuclear Uh that went on over Gotham. If Jim has gotten out of that with his hair still intact, (laughs) I will be shocked, quite frankly. And his toenails and probably most of his skin. Uh, that looked proper mushroom cloud going on over Gotham, to be honest. So you think not only is Jim not going to have the moustache, he's not going to have any hair in his head either. Or eyes, <laughs> or probably any feet, hands, uh, and maybe even his dentures may have gotten dissolved Possibly. in that. Who knows? Jeremiah does warn him that he needs to be at least a mile away from the premises, yes. and he's locked into the basement at the end of the episode. So. And I, I don't Ooh. think he had enough time after he escaped but nonetheless, we'll see. I would say that that Jeremiah bunker could be bombproof. Or maybe we got into a lead-lined fridge like uh, Indiana Jones maybe. and that awful fourth film that unfortunately they did. Was there a fourth film? Crystal, yeah, Crystal Skull. Um, Remember? No. I do try to blank it out sometimes. <laughs> but certainly, uh, I think... Jim Gordon would have had to think MacGyverly fast on his feet to get out of that one. Well, but, Riddler was definitely channeling MacGyver in this episode as well. Yeah, with his little clown nose. <laughs> well, with his honk honk, very strange collection. And that's penguin honk honk. It is, yeah. Now Riddler was channeling MacGyver with his very strange collection of stuff to break out Leslie Tompkins. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what he was actually trying to build there because I don't think he used any of them in the end. Uh, let's get into our top five case notes, though, John. Exactly. Or pickle jars, because I think Ed may have eaten all the pickles. Possibly. That was one of the. Well, that's one of his items. One of his items. Yes. Case note number one. A message. From Beyond the Grave, mm-hmm. from Jerome Velasco. Straight off the bat, I have to say, what a great headstone for <laughs> Jerome. Um, second time's the charm. Exactly. Thank you, Jerome, for cheating death once before mm-hmm. um, and coming back and being absolutely charming. You survived Galavan's attack on your own body. And yes, you charmed the absolute socks off Gotham, your acolytes, and the the audience. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether he cheated death though. He was uh, he was definitely killed the first time. So uh, I do love this touch on the gravestone with second time's the charm. So second time he has definitely died. So. Is that kind of a joke that he may actually come back again in the future? Um, he looked to be pretty stiff this time. Most definitely, but we do have here that he has planned for eventualities. So not only does he provide um, instruction to his estranged brother, Jeremiah, he's also uh, constantly on the TV screens uh, giving out to Jim Gordon as well, which I can understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a messenger as well, a Harlequin masked clown with Jerome's tape as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really interesting, you know, is this kind of a fill-in or a, an alternative to Harley Quinn? Um, this was a really nice choice, I think. Um, and, of course, we do find out later on that this 
person behind the Harlequin mask is Echo, um, Jeremiah's former bodyguard, which we saw had gotten turned uh, by um, Jerome. So this was really good, but this tape effectively tells his acolytes uh, to dig him up. His headstone, the second time's a charm. Maybe third time is an (laughs) even better charm because... He is being asked to dig himself up to bring his body to the GCPD for a party. What is going on? I know. What is about to happen? Because this is just, it starts to get really surreal. Um, and to be honest, uh, this whole wake at the GCPD that's going on um, is, is, or that's about to happen is fascinating. But I love the fact that the acolytes are still there as well. And they absolutely hang on every word. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It did kind of remind me of uh, Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> the idea of dragging a corpse from a, from, from a graveyard to a party in the GCPD. Uh, but much better, can I say, in a one-hour TV show than Weekend at Bernie's 2 was in a two-hour film. I don't think many other people have actually seen it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I'm one of those. Good. Good. Let's get on to case note number two, the actual wake in the GCPD, because we get another tape from Jerome. And I know this is a weird way we're covering the actual episode. We're going to go through it in order because it's kind of reaction as to how we watched it. Um, It's quite interesting. There's another tape from Jerome, a videotape from Jerome, something that he would absolutely do himself. We've seen him on VHS tapes all the way back to his attack on uh, the GCPD in season two, uh, where he was videotaping what he was doing when he was killing the captain of the GCPD at the time, Sarah Essen. Um, So quite interesting that this mechanism is used to, uh, to reveal his plan to Jim Gordon as well. Absolutely. And I mean, I just love the way they do this with the grainy images. You know, it's all jumpy. And it, it really gives that idea of something uh, being, you know, quite threatening, yeah. quite brutal. It, it is like a hostage takeover. Mm-hmm. It, it is done really, really well uh, on the video. But it ultimately means that the circus arrives at the GCPD. <laughs> I love the fact that, you know, they're using the coffin, which at the time I'm thinking, okay, that's got Jerome's body in it, um, to batter down, to ram the the precinct's, like, door down. I did think it was slightly odd that the um, police department in Gotham uses medieval technology to lock the door um, <laughs> in that it was a piece of wood that <laughs> uh, they used a piece of wood um, to to bar their entrance rather than deadlocks and bolts and, and so on. Well, Gotham is a show at a time, John. No, I know it is, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, we talk about the, you know, the uh, analog phones mm-hmm. uh, next to the mobile phone. Well, this is a nuclear bomb going off next to medieval door locking technology. Um, <laughs> I thought that was quite interesting, but ultimately they do break this down and I love the fact that Jerome's body is not in in the the coffin. It is actually beers on ice. What a wake. Um, I think, to be honest, if I'm to go out, I would like that to happen. I think that would be quite cool. Just bury and, me with a crate of beer just in case. Yes, that. exactly. <laughs> and indeed, I love the fact um, towards the end when uh, the wake party has been... Uh, sort of disbanded that Harvey Bullock helps himself to a couple of uh, <laughs> ice cold beers from the coffin of Drome. <laughs> only Gotham could do that, but it just made sense. And only Harv as well. And He's, only Harv. He would well. never turn down a free beer. And he hands it to one of his colleagues sure. as well. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, he wants to make sure it's uh, it's acceptable as well. Um, but I do like Jim's plan effectively to bring all of the clans, as they're calling themselves, into the GCPD. And then hit them with tear gas and get all of the uh, all of the GCPD cops outside to uh, to then flush them out afterwards. Quite yeah, a cool little plan. It was bring them in, escape out the back, and then surround the GCPD, and then lay siege to the GCPD, <laughs> chuck in a bit of um, gas canisters to knock them out or or whatever tear gas, and and then take them down. Boiling yeah. oil, yeah. Bo- <laughs> boiling oil. Um, <laughs> other 
Roman implements of war as well could be fired uh, at the GCPD, yeah. GCPD go medieval. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get on to case note number three, John. Um, Bruce visiting Jerome's bunker. We see that Bruce has been supporting Jerome's project to make sustainable energy for Gotham. I was wondering whether the energy that's being created here with Jerome's uh, work. I wonder, is this something that uh, Bruce will be using in the future to power things like the Batcave, um, which many times in the comic books and the movies and other versions of the, of the lore and the storylines that have gone with Batman have been the only things left online when Gotham gets knocked offline, that his back computers are left online. I wonder, is this something that they may take into the future i think that's a great idea and even that it powers the batmobile in the future as well i thought this was really nice idea in terms of sort of leading into those kind of tech elements that batman is so famous for Mm. Uh, i also was really surprised here that he went back to jeremiah it's not that bruce wayne did that i can totally get that but that Jeremiah seemed to be his old self. Because the last time we saw him, he was getting a face full of the old happy gas Mm -hmm. and uh, really didn't expect that. And I was like going, okay. And I was waiting for Jeremiah to go kind of bonkers whilst he was uh, in his bunker. Bonkers in the bunker, I love it. Bonkers in the bunker, (laughs) exactly. And in, in the end, he didn't. But... I mean, obviously, we will get to it later on in our case notes. Mm. But um, I thought this was uh, really threatening for for Bruce visiting uh, Jeremiah's bunker. I really did. And I I thought it was a nice little sort of tee up uh, for what follows. I thought it was really good. And as I say, the surprise for me was that Jeremiah seemed to be perfectly normal. Clickety eye, uh, twitchy mouth. (laughs) Yes, it did seem pretty normal until, of course, Alfred tells Bruce about the acolytes uh, that are going to the GCPD. And once Jeremiah finds out about that, he suddenly flips and starts to think that Jerome is back alive again. And I think what we see here is a great moment where Cameron Monaghan is playing his character as if he's got kind of a PTSD uh, type of situation going on where he's been so absorbed by being in this bunker for 16 years without Jerome that he has developed this personality where he's completely freaked out by the idea that Jerome could still always come attack him. Remember, it is quite interesting that he stayed in that bunker for 16 years when Jerome actually was off the table and shown live on TV as being killed by Galavan two or three years before he came back into Gotham, So, or a year before he came back into Gotham. Jeremiah didn't leave the bunker during that time. So it's quite plausible here, the act that he's putting on for Bruce, it's quite plausible that he would be this freaked out about Jerome coming back or the possibility of Jerome coming back again, as we pointed out earlier on. But I like that Bruce is going over there to kind of console him, help him through this situation because he knows or thinks he knows how badly Jerome has has treated him in the past. Well, that's it because... Talking of uh, the surprise I had that Jeremiah seemed normal, then I thought that really kind of cemented that moment when he effectively told Bruce that he had been infected or had been exposed to uh, that toxin. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe he isn't going to go bonkers in the bunker after all. (laughs) Of course, and he didn't. So I thought that was a nice little moment between these two characters because you're there kind of... I felt myself that I was rooting for Jeremiah going, don't give in to this toxin, you know, that you're going to be uh, the the normal one of, of the Valeska brothers. Yeah. Um, I really was hoping for that to some extent, even though I was also quite excited that he might just go um, and, and lose his, his noggin um, <laughs> at the fact that, um, yeah, he had been exposed to that gas. But it, it, it really kind of kept you on edge, I thought. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. And then, of course, we get Alfred phoning Bruce because he's being informed by Jim that the GCPD is under attack by the Joker clowns. And, of course, that they could be going for Jeremiah's bunker. And Bruce is there. Alfred's getting his gun ready and then effectively stumbles into a fight in Wayne Manor. I loved how that was done, where he goes in through the door as the camera pans down the door and just see 
um, the feet scuffling as gunshots are being fired uh, through the crack between the floor and the bottom of the door. Mm. Really, really enjoyed that. I thought that was really atmospheric. And certainly then when all you see is a trail of blood on the tiles of the kitchen floor or the conservatory floor uh, with that gun that we'd seen Alfred loading earlier to prep himself to head over to Jeremiah's bunker in order to keep uh, Bruce safe from what he thinks is this uh, sort of impending horde of of crazy Jerome uh, fans. It's kind of like an NSYNC concert in like the late 90s, just loads of fans going mental. So who could this be that's attacking Alfred? Do you think it's some more of Jeremiah's acolytes? Is this a secondary plan that he has for later on or towards the end of the season that he's going to kidnap Alfred as well as some type of insurance against Bruce? Or could it be Tabs and Barbara coming into the house with the members of the of the League of Shadows, possibly? Or is it the other League of Shadows, Rachel Gould's League of Shadows, coming to to take back Alfred because he's been brought back to life by Bruce. Absolutely. I I definitely, in that moment, I assumed it was uh, members of Jerome's uh, sort of fan base going there because as well, um, you know, they have been given a set of instructions of what to do. And that is, you know, take out the butler who, who will protect Bruce Wayne. Mm. Because as we see, you know, this kind of obsession, uh, this intensity between Jerome previously uh, and Bruce Wayne, and then now obviously with Jeremiah, um, really is playing out, uh, which is really, really cool, I think. And of course, anyone who would snap Bruce out of that or be the fly in the ointment, so to speak, would be Bruce. But I also agree, maybe it has nothing to do with that storyline and it could be something to do with the League of Shadows. So, I think we really have to see uh, how that plays out. Genuinely, if I hadn't seen Penguin and Butch sitting down in Falcone's house later on, kind of talking to each other about about how their lives are going now, if we hadn't seen that scene after this scene with Alfred, I almost thought it was the two of them coming in to do a bit of a power play and go, give us a million dollars or else you won't get your butler back, you know? But it wasn't them either, so... No. Um, But of course, as well, unfortunately, Bruce plays into the grand plan that he is not aware of Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately suggests probably one of the most uh, dangerous things, which is to take Jeremiah to Jerome's grave to really prove to him that he's dead. (laughs) Uh, Just as, as we've seen right at the start, a Harlequin type figure um has told the fans of jerome to dig up jerome's body i was when i was watching this live and live tweeting it i was just laughing at going bruce that is the worst possible decision that you could make even if this is a guy that's suffering from ptsd and you get there and the body's gone what's going to happen to him just going to send him over the edge now (laughs) as if he's as if jerome has crawled out of his uh, of his grave and is coming after Jeremiah, you know? It's a really bad idea. Get out of there, Bruce. (laughs) Exactly. But as Bruce is heading over to Jerome's grave with Jeremiah, I think in that interlude, we should move on to case note four. Yeah. Uh, Because in the meantime, Riddler comes like a knight in shining armor to save Leslie Tompkins. Yeah. I think this is really interesting i mean you know leslie tompkins really brings the past back to haunt uh jim gordon and of course on top of that so does harvey bullock as well leslie's in prison and harvey is trying to encourage him to effectively leave the door unlocked so that she can make her way to freedom yeah and jim recently has been questioning everything and he's just got his um, partnership back with Harvey kind of back on track really and that has been with the two of them coming to that mutual recognition that they've both done bad deeds and I think that's where Jim has tried to draw this line and all of a sudden Harvey is asking him to do it again and he's yeah. really having none of it so unfortunately for Leslie you know she's really finding herself in this moment of Jim's life where he wants to help her, absolutely, but it's not going to be the type of help where he just 
opens up the door and tells her to make a run for it. And exactly. It's not like he's working in Arkham anymore. Well, the revolving door prison of Gotham. <laughs> yes, he was the worst prison guard. He wasn't a great prison guard, but really it's just Arkham as an institute seems to just turn people back out into the streets. How many villains do we still have, have out in the streets of Gotham at the moment that haven't been returned to Arkham since episode 16 or so? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really interesting, though, as well, because, you know, Jim goes in to interrogate uh, Leslie literally before the crazy bunch uh, turn up mm-hmm. at, at the doors of the precinct. And, you know, he's telling us to turn in Riddler and we'll ask for leniency uh, against so he's really not given her much room but really interesting conversation comes in and it almost it links back to kind of what claire was saying really i think you know that both leslie and the riddler enigma make a really really good couple but there is in this moment where lee is questioning whether there is any law in gotham that makes any sense or has, does any good yeah that Jim should come with her to the Narrows to make his own justice. She says, you know, you can make your own rules. And I was just wondering, is there that spark there still between Leslie and Jim? Is she doing that because there is that spark? Or is it because she is a very bright person who can uh, and will manipulate herself because she has come to... Uh, feel comfortable uh, and at ease with her position in the narrows were i suppose you know from an ordinary gotham citizen or an or a rich gotham citizen they may think she is actually a criminal but for her she is and jim says this himself you're doing this because you see it as helping people and protecting people. But this was a nice moment here because you kind of go, what is her rationale for saying that? Is it just to get out of uh, the precinct out of the, out of the cell? Or is it that there are still feelings? She certainly has feelings for Jim, whether they run as deep as what is developing between her and Enigma is, another question i suppose in Mm. that sense but i did like that moment between uh, leslie tompkins and jim harvey at the precinct i thought it was really nice and i think it builds on their relationship over the the seasons of gotham so far yeah it very much felt like a kind of a i've seen the light why can't you see it too jim kind of moment it really felt like she was trying to convince him that her way is is the right way not just to get out of the precinct it kind of felt like and come with me jim you've been wanting this your whole life you've been wanting to have a way to help people without the binds that you had that you find yourself against as a police officer come on join me now uh, get back into doing things to help people again she really is convinced she's doing the right thing despite the fact that she keeps knocking over uh, banks every every week you know or three or four a day in fact i think at, at some points so uh so quite interesting discussion between the two of them but it does get interrupted obviously as the uh, as the clowns and the circus comes to the gcpd but then we cut over to riddler and the other residents of the narrows who are kind of pleading to have their queen brought back and we have a fantastic Riddler line, really one of my favourites from the episode where he tells the people of the Narrows, I'd rather debate with you teleology or deontology than not go and save Leslie. And all of them looking at each other going, do you what? (laughs) Well, exactly. So we had to look up what teleology and deontology was. Of course. Of course. Uh, Gotham is an educational show as much as a comic-based show. Uh, So teleology is the explanation by reference to some purpose, end, goal, or function. So that is the means to an end. Exactly. Um, Deontology is the ethical position that judges the morality of an action. Uh, that leads to an end based on rules. So that is the morality of that means to an end within a given set of rules. Or the Jim Gordon way, as you'd probably call it on Gotham, right? Exactly. So kind of interesting because ultimately Riddler does not trust those people in the Narrows other than his select bunch that he gathers together with a fairly long and potentially ridiculous list of items. <laughs> I'd love to know what the pickles were for. I suspect it was a snack on the way to save Leslie Tompkins. Possibly. There is a tin opener. There is a roll of copper cord. 
Um, and I think a few other things as well. But I would love to see that escape plan. And he uses absolutely none of it because he arrives <laughs> yeah. dressed in his full Riddler costume to the GCPD standing right out front of it. So if they're going to walk in the front doors, I don't know what they were going to use any of that stuff for, uh, but sees that it's already under attack by the by the circus. So can't use any of them and ends off just dressing as a clown to get inside. <laughs> yeah. And oh, my God, I love the clown. I loved his nose. I loved the hair f- uh, being blown out of his eyes. I love the fact that he gets knocked out by Leslie as well as he tries to rescue her. She realizes who it is. And then that moment where he comes around and she's looking at him, he looks so ridiculously funny, but cute in that context of him and Leslie having a moment and the little squeaky clown nose as well as Leslie takes it off. His real nose was so, so good absolutely loved it i totally agree with you just really funny little scene here and just a little more cuteness to their relationship i think um he brings the gas masks though that's actually how they get out of all the items that were used i suppose it does help having both of these characters formally working for the gcpd so they kind of know the protocols of what happens when it's under attack he instantly realizes that the next plan that jim would have is if it's completely overrun they're going to release the gas so on with the gas masks and out they go through the door. A really good choice here, I think, uh, directly afterwards when you see Harvey and the rest of the GCPD agents coming back in to take back their home. Um, they go down the stairs and you see Leslie and Riddler underneath the stairs just holding each other or standing with each other. But they kind of flip that thing that you see in many, many movies where you're trying, where two characters are trying to hide from the cops and they have a have a quick smooch to hide their faces from the police as they go past they don't need to do that they don't the police don't see them but they do have that little smooch afterwards it's not to hide their identities it's because they want to really but i like it's preceded by riddler saying don't just manipulate me that's not what i'm here for yeah nice little touch really nice little touch the only thing with the gas masks um that they wore was they were the only people wearing gas masks not even the GCPD running into the smoky GCPD were wearing gas masks mm-hmm. as they looked to arrest all of the crazy wake party goers. So of all the people that stood out, it was the two people with gas masks. <laughs> so they didn't even look like police going in. So I thought that was a little funny, but nonetheless, Hey-ho, it is what it is. (laughs) I like it. I like it. And with that, we are on to case note five. Best friends. Aw. Yes, Bruce and Jeremiah. Bruce thinks he is a good friend to Jeremiah. He's giving him Wayne Enterprise contracts left, right and center. Jeremiah is certainly putting up a really good front Um, You know, he says, you can trust me. I am your friend, says Bruce, uh, and I believe in you. Bruce is really trying to um, rehabilitate Jeremiah after what happened a couple of episodes ago. He's given him this contract. um, He's really trying to get Jeremiah over Jerome, over his own shock and PTSD by taking him to the graveyard to show, look, here is a grave with the stone of Jerome Velasca. Except when he gets there, it's all been dug up. Of course. (laughs) So poor Jeremiah at this stage, you're going, okay, he is going absolutely crazy. He is totally paranoid. You really buy into that performance of Cameron Monaghan. You really do believe in this moment that he is suffering here. He, he's been honest with Bruce about the, the laughing gas. He's still working with Bruce that we, we didn't really know until this episode. And he's kind of having this slight meltdown. The, the nervousness, the paranoia, the edginess of it all is absolutely so well played by Cameron Monaghan. Um, and, you know, with what comes after that, I just felt it was sublime. I really, really enjoyed it. That wiping of the makeup off his face 
uh, you know, so reminiscent of the original Batman film with Jack Nicholson. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I just thought it was so, so well done and such a contrast to Jerome. But I would say almost more chilling uh, in some ways. Yeah. It's at least equal uh, to to Jerome because it is that restrained, cold craziness that is just so well done here. I love these scenes. I have to say, really, really good. And totally with you, John. I totally get bought in to what Jeremiah is doing here. Totally feeling for him going... Um, Bruce really needs some help here to get this guy's mind back together before he goes off on one and shoots Bruce by mistake. That moment where he thinks that Bruce is Jerome taking over Bruce's face and, and takes the knife out to cut off some of his face. You totally believe that. And then the twist, yes. the flip. And it's done even better because we have the contrasting side of the story as Jim Gordon, the other knight of Gotham, is down in the bunker seeing a video of Jerome where he's giving him the whole story and explaining to him what's going on. And the reveal is actually to both Bruce and Jim at exactly the same time that Jeremiah has just been playing the game the whole time. He's just been doing it to get all of Jerome's followers to follow him so that he can get Bruce. It's so interesting. It's a nice twist. I was kind of wondering whether one of the videos was Jerome's video that he had left behind for Jim and then Jeremiah takes over and becomes the extension of that video potentially or is he playing Jerome the whole time I just don't feel like Jer Jerome actually left this plan behind this was all Jeremiah's elaborate plan well that was it for me in watching this in the moment I absolutely believe that across it all Jeremiah was playing the game Everything with Jerome Velasca in all the previous episodes of Gotham that behind him was Jeremiah watching him and in effect in some ways maybe controlling him, knowing what he was going to do because it really just felt like all the time Jeremiah had been the puppeteer um, for Jerome Velasca um, and that was his sleight of hand right. that was his big plan that was his idea that he needed someone else to rally the troops but he was the the master uh architect behind that of which he is an architect so you know <laughs> i an engineer i wonder in that moment, I absolutely thought that behind all of Jerome's stuff was Jeremiah, ultimately. Interesting. That, as Claire said earlier on in the podcast, that we did get a sense that Jeremiah was lying about what Jerome had done to him uh, and that there was maybe um, not all of the truth here uh, from Jeremiah. And maybe that was it. Maybe it was he was the brains behind everything. Interesting, because a lot of uh, Jerome's ideas tended to just kind of come from his little noggin uh, as a plan for destroying Gotham or making Gotham crazy. Uh, there's an interesting point here which really explains it all to me, which is where Bruce says, well, I know the gas worked now. I know that Jerome has actually had that gas work on you because... You're just carrying out Jerome's plans sanely, which is the craziest thing I could possibly imagine. Um, love that moment. It does feel like Jerome is still there. I wonder, from your theory or your possibility, does that mean we could see a flashback to Jerome and Jeremiah together at some point during their time, That in that 16 years that they were supposed to be separated? Um, we see here Jeremiah is hugely manipulative and can cover his tracks really well. So um, that's absolutely a possibility that Jerome had gone in and out of meeting up with Jeremiah. I don't know whether he takes instructions very well, but it'll be interesting to see whether we see some more of that in the next two episodes. Yeah, but it is that idea of just give him a nudge, and as long as you know his personality and what he will do, that you can predict, and he's very much a controlling, calculating criminal mm -hmm. by the looks of jeremiah that he knows you know what range jerome is going to react and act on and so he builds it his plan around that yeah so it, yeah it's really interesting 
And I also loved um, what you were talking about with regards to the Batman games and, and the idea or the theory that's being floated uh, around this depiction of Jeremiah slash Joker uh, and also with um, the previous incarnation with Jerome as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this was pointed out by uh, Kareem Masri. Uh, he says Henry Adams from the Arkham Knight games is very reminiscent of what they're doing here on Gotham with Jerome and with Jeremiah. Uh, the idea in those games is that there are three people still left alive after, spoilers, uh, the Joker dies in one of the earlier games. Uh, they're left alive with Joker blood in them. And two of them are fine after some time. It, it feeds out of them. And Henry Adams in those games is the character that actually becomes the Joker becomes the reincarnation of Joker because he's, he's been so exposed to Jokerness effectively. So quite an interesting one, really good point, Kareem really like it. Thank you so much for that. But a kind of an, a great idea that this could be the way that Jerome and Jeremiah are kind of becoming the Joker before the Joker's there. And then it will lead into another Joker in the future, one of them or somebody else in the future yeah no it's a great idea great theory um thought it was really really interesting Mm -hmm. and of course what we then see is that the batteries that jerome the sustainable source of energy that jeremiah i should say has done um are ultimately bombs when they're left unchecked oh yeah Uh, and one heading off into oblivion uh, right next to Jim, who hopefully has escaped with his eyebrows unsinged. Um, but we see Jeremiah and Echo heading to Wayne Enterprises to pick up the rest of these devices after um, he's killed uh, a couple of the Wayne Enterprise security guards. Mm-hmm. Wayne Enterprises is a bit like Arkham Prison, except people can always get into it, um, into the R&D, rather than escape out of it. So it's kind of got the reverse leaky... Yeah, it's got a leakiness about it, has Wayne Enterprises. It's just that anyone can always get into this high-security research station. I could see how Jeremiah could get up there. He's been working on these things with Bruce Wayne, so I can see how he can get there. But when he answers the guards and says, oh, I do have somebody else with me, they don't reach for their guns instantly. <laughs> you know, they, just, they just get killed effectively by him. Um, so, yeah, that, they could have been a little bit better guards, uh, yeah. definitely. But I love how this bleeds into the new outro for the episode, uh, where we have the Gotham logo flashing with the with the kind of bug lighting. Uh, yeah, the blue lighting, blue lighting instead of the police siren lights. Yeah, yeah exactly. That was quite cool. That was quite Very cool. cool indeed. That is all of our notes for this week overall there, John. Some great moments in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, loved uh, this episode so, so much. Yeah. Add some great lines in there. I loved Harvey Bullock coming in and interrupting Jim Gordon with the line, sorry to stick my face in your business. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> good yeah. one. Um, there's a little bit of Butch and Penguin in here. We don't see a huge amount of them. We just get them um, talking about, as I said, the pain of all of the things that, that Penguin has promised to Butch. Butch is still slightly sticking around, but he is kind of saying, I'm going to crush your, crush your throat if we don't sort out something soon. They're living in Falcone Mansion and um, robbing liquor stores just to pay for food. So not really on the good side, but they do torture Jerome's ex-follower for information. Well, not only do they torture him for information <laughs> with uh, chicken bones up the nose to make him talk, mm-hmm. but we do have that fabulous moment where the cattle prod uh, is being used repeatedly uh, by both Harvey Bullock and then by Jim Gordon. And then I love the fact that Harvey Bullock is there uh, with the boot almost closed and just like sticking it in, getting his daily fix of cattle prodding. <laughs> Is he the new electrocutioner of Gotham? <laughs> Absolutely, <John>? <laughs> yeah. That would be uh, pretty, pretty awesome. What's the Gotham moment of the week, John? It's the Jeremiah. Definitely has to be. I love that moment in the in the crypt uh, in the cemetery where you get that reveal coupled with the reveal to Jim uh, and just the um, realisation from both Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon just what deep doo-doo they are in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some great, great moments there. Uh, Definitely one of my favourites. My Gotham characters of the week. And mine. There's two of them. And mine. Because it's one of my favourite 
funniest moments so far uh, in the last couple of episodes anyway. It's the two prisoners that are in the GCPD transfer van played by Michael Daly and J. Cameron Barnett. Uh, that moment when Riddler opens the door and gets some information out of them and one of them goes... Hey, it's the Riddler, we're saved. And then the door gets closed in his face. And then <laughs> yeah. immediately afterwards, Penguin and Butch come up, open up the door and he goes, the Penguin, we're saved. And then they close the door in his face again. And then the other prisoner responds to him, do you ever get tired of being wrong? <laughs> Fabulous little moment. So, so good. Love yeah. these kind of background characters in Gotham. Yeah. As we've always said, these are the ones that we always want to highlight in the podcast. Really good, fun characters. Yeah, really, really good. So overall, John, how would you rate this episode of Gotham, That Old Corpse? Well, I absolutely love this episode. I give it a strong 4.5 sweaty palms out of 5. I really enjoyed this from Jeremiah and Bruce Wayne's relationship, best friends, and the whole reveal to it being done in conjunction with uh, Jim Gordon's realisation and the reveal by jeremiah that in some ways and this is my current theory that maybe he has been the orchestrator of everything to do with jerome uh, in the past interesting um i i really thought that was fascinating i loved the harley quinn sidekick in the form of echo who was Jer- jeremiah's previous um assistant i thought that was so good all the crazy jerome Uh, fans brilliant the coffin filled with chilled beer and especially harvey uh, taking a couple of bottles after the siege of the gcpd is brought to a crashing end with tear gas uh, and smoke bombs even though the gcpd don't need the gas masks to go in after them (laughs) i just love this moment Uh, i really am intrigued to see what's happened to alfred um Mm-hmm. And who has attacked him there? Is it the League of Shadows? Is it Jeremiah's appropriation of Jerome's followers, which he says they're pretty dumb, but they have their uses. <laughs> you know, he really is just using them here. Bruce is knocked out into the grave ultimately in the end. When he wakes up, what's going to happen? Really interested to see that. Uh, and of course, you have really nice moments with, with Leslie Tompkins uh, and uh, her saviour, Uh, to keep the castle theme for GCPD, uh, Ed Nigma riding on horseback, so to speak, in uh, his shiny knight's armour to rescue his damsel in distress, even though ultimately Leslie is well able to look after herself, I think. Absolutely. Given that she knocks him out, uh, thinking that he is one of the crazy wake parties um, to... Uh, ultimately escape uh, and go out. And I loved, yeah, the cattle prod scene. I loved the back of the GCPD van with the the prisoners. Um, And it was great to see Butch and Penguin again plotting uh, their way back to the top. Mm Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the episode as well. Two things I didn't actually mention, just just now that you say it, about uh, Bruce and and. Jeremiah, uh, that moment when he knocks him into the into the grave and says to him, "You truly are my best friend." As he does it, a lovely echo of the Joker and Batman's relationship right there—that they are best friends because they can never live without the other kind of thing. Nice little touch there. Yeah, definitely. And one of the reference to the Nolan movies, which you may know or you may not, uh, well known about Heath Ledger as an actor when he was getting prepared for his part as the Joker. He put together his own Joker diary, which was loads of things that inspired him to become the Joker and to create his version of the Joker in the Nolan universe. What we see in this episode is Jeremiah has Jerome's joker diary effectively a diary of things that inspire him to be as crazy as he is um, so i think that's a nice little reference there really good uh, really good catch i think yeah no really cool definitely i think with that on to some feedback we have some feedback in from our facebook group and you can head on over there to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash gotham tv podcast and you can join us there but one of our group members charlotte bain uh, she says where do I begin, Jim? Stop being mean to Harvey. <laughs> Jim needs to move on. Lee has. Ed and Lee, they are funny. That chemistry between them is so cool. Alfred, he's going to be fine. He is. 
007 Alfred. That formula on Jeremiah really brought his true self out. I knew it was him on the second part of the tape. Wiping that cover-up makeup was paramount to Jeremiah's reveal. Mm -hmm. Poor Bruce. He tried to help him, but he was just too late. Echo, I knew that was her under the Harley mask. Getting back to Jeremiah at the grave, that was an iconic villain and superhero relationship statement. Mm. You're my very best friend to Bruce. They have history with each other. I loved it all. Thanks so much, guys. Love you all and your podcasts. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Yeah, such a great moment between uh, Bruce and Jeremiah there. And I I really do think um, it is going to have a tragic ending at some point in the future yeah possibly between batman and the joker possibly i do believe that this is the joker ultimately such a great moment between the two yeah hopefully 007 alfred is alive and kicking and kicked ass in uh wayne manor and that ultimately is not his blood, but yes. someone else's. Possibly, possibly. I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to be all right. Just to state again, I still don't think Jeremiah is the Joker. Until he is the Joker, he's not the Joker for me. They've pulled the rug out from under me way too many times. I thought the reveal was going to be that Jerome had covered him in his makeup and sent him up to that uh, that top of that roof with Jim Gordon uh, to be shot and it was actually Jerome still alive thought that was going to be the twist in this episode so I'm waiting for them to pull the rug out from under me once again and there's a third one or Jerome gets reincarnated or Jeremiah dies and gets reincarnated so I don't think he's the Joker right now but he's still my favorite Gotham Joker so far <laughs> yeah absolutely really looking forward to seeing what happens we have some other bit of feedback as well through our voicemail. You can go and leave 90 seconds of your thoughts uh, so that we can air them on the podcast. Just head on over to Gotham TV Podcast and on the right-hand side of the screen, there is the voicemail tab and you can fire away and leave your thoughts on all things Gotham. Um, so yeah, fire away, Derek. Roll tape. Hello Gotham TV podcast, another great extraordinary hour of Gotham and every single moment captivating. I've only watched the episode once to my normal two or three times when I send you feedback. Whatever extra Jerome has put into Jeremiah's dose of laughing gas has worked and made the character of Jerome even more intriguing and sinister than Jerome. The request video of Jerome for his wake to be at the GCPD was an amazing twist in that it wasn't Jerome in the recording but Jeremiah. The only thing that made me question that it wasn't Jerome in the video, he called Jim Jimmy and Jerome most of the time called Jim Jimbo. But at the same time I would have believed Jerome would make a video like this. Favourite scene was Bruce and Jeremiah, in fact all their scenes together, from working on the generators, Bruce taking Jeremiah to the cemetery to help him overcome his fear of Jerome still being alive, to the big reveal of removing his skin colour makeup, revealing his new pale complexion. Bruce being sincere and wanting to help Jeremiah and backfiring on him as he ends up in the open grave with Jerome's body. Character of the week Again, a lot to choose from, but the prisoner in the back of the GCPD van, when he saw the Riddler, he thought they were saved. And then seeing Penguin, he also thought they were saved. Really love how Butch is losing his patience with Oswald. He's so desperate to be cured, which pushes Oswald into doing what he does best, finding an opportunity in which this instance was a news report on the TV. Absolutely loving Lee and Ed and how the people of the Narrows wanted to break their queen out of the GCPD. Ed dressed up as a clown was brilliant to blend in with the wake happening with the crazies at the GCPD. A nice scene between Jim and Lee as well. Many thanks, Claire. Thanks so much for your feedback, Claire. That's really good to hear. You're on this, exactly the same page as for the Gotham Character of the Week, I see. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Claire, for the feedback. It's really Good to hear your thoughts there. Um, and yeah, completely agree. The prisoners in the back of that GCPD van are great characters. Yep, the scenes between Bruce and Jeremiah are just so well done by these two actors, David Mazous and Cameron Monaghan. They are really good together. It, it has that chill 
that runs uh, down your spine uh, in the same way as, as it was when it was Jerome and Bruce in the mirrored hall uh, at the circus during last season. Um, so these two work so well together. It's mm. really a pleasure to see. Yeah, absolutely. And a really good catch on Jeremiah possibly being the one because he says Jimmy instead of Jimbo. I didn't catch that at all. Good catch, Claire. Thanks so much for your feedback. One final piece of feedback just from YouTube on our last episode. Scott Boswell says, A chippy, or chippy, is old American slang for a floozy, a cheap woman. Just so you know. Oh, uh, that's really... Okay, so that's interesting. So it's kind of old slang term that the curator of the museum... Uh, for antiquities in Namba Parbat says. Okay, interesting. Because, yeah, we were there kind of going, oh, that's a fish and chip shop, mm. is it? Or something like that. And or we a even, And we were even wrong on that because a chippy in the UK is actually some as a carpenter in the UK. It's a chipper we were thinking of, John. No, it's a chippy. <laughs> Depends on whether you're north or south, I guess. Thanks so much for all of the feedback that we got in for this episode. We'll be back again next week with our penultimate episode of Gotham Season 4. <gasps> episode 21 called, ooh, interestingly, One Bad Day, which is all it takes to push you into being the Joker, John. Yes, it does. I am so looking forward to seeing that. And Gothamites, may you have all good days this week until that episode comes along. Absolutely. As always, thank you so much for listening. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm off to do Gotham Knitting, followed by Gotham Crochet. Uh, <laughs> and once I've got my pattern set, uh, we will speak with you again next time. Bye. Bye. being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.